0: are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. There were some hundred or so individuals. Some reports say there were up to a thousand people that showed up at Spring Grove Cemetery yesterday to honor the life of Hezekiah Perkins who purchased a burial plot in the cemetery more than 20 years ago. A day after Spring Grove Funeral Home put out a request to the public to help celebrate the life of a Korean War veteran, people showed up in droves to the service yesterday, Saturday afternoon. Spring Grove put out the request because Perkins' family was unable to make the funeral. And Perkins was buried with full military honors, with the public looking on, and soldiers from Fort Knox there to perform a flag ceremony. I think that is remarkable, and it speaks highly of our Cincinnati area. Our culture values the idea of remembering the dead. And this morning, I want to speak on this subject Remember Me. Moral Day is that American holiday. It's observed on the last Monday of May, honoring the men and women who died while serving in the U.S. military. And so tomorrow, May 27th, we will celebrate Memorial Day. Began really with the Civil War, which ended in the spring of 1865, claimed more lives than any conflict in U.S. history and required the establishment of the country's first national Cemeteries, And by the late 1860s, Americans in various towns and cities had begun to hold springtime tributes to these countless fallen soldiers, decorating their graves with flowers and reciting prayers. It was originally known as Decoration Day. It originated in the years following the Civil War, but became an official holiday in 1971. Many Americans observe Memorial Day by visiting cemeteries or memorials, holding family gatherings and participating in parades. And we here at the Calvary Church honor those who have served our country in this way by having a special service every year where we wear the American red, white, and blue and we have a picnic to honor them and to eat chicken or burgers, or whatever else comes our way. It's unofficially the mark of the beginning of the summer season. It was Brian Rooney, a science teacher at Chatsworth High School in Chatsworth, California. He spent thousands of dollars of his own money, over $200,000, and hundreds of hours of time memorializing are war dead. Brian Rooney had cataloged 8,600 memorials so far in 50 states, remembering the men and women who died protecting America. It was really a promise that grew into an obsession for Brian Rooney. He now spends much of his time cataloging memorials for the war dead, making sure they are cared for, and that they are remembered. What Brian Rooney has done is truly commendable. From the Revolutionary War to the present, he remembers those who gave their lives defending freedom for the rest of us. He said, my mission is to bring humanity to every one of them. Mr. Rooney's mission began in the jungle of Vietnam 33 years or so ago, with a longer than that, but with a promise he made to a dying soldier. Two simple words were whispered to the young Army medic, Brian Rooney, as he leaned over the mortally wounded soldier trying to read the name of his dog tags. Remember me, the kid whispered in Rooney's ear. As he died, Rooney promised that he would remember him. But why do we want to be remembered? Why do we want our graves marked? Why do we want our pictures taken and our lives remembered? Some say to not be remembered is to never have existed There is something sacred about the memory of the dead. We all have grieved over the loss of someone's life. And to honor those closest to us, we look for ways to remember them. We have all kinds of things that we keep, we save, we mark to remember those who have died before us. And many of us have a plan for our things when we pass from this life, so we will be remembered when we are gone. Nothing is considered more inhumane than mass graves and unmarked tombs. It is almost the right of the dead to be remembered. Someone said wanting to be remembered is often referred to as a wish for a kind of immortality. And now, depending on where you fall on the age o depends on the weight of your thoughts on this matter. However, the question that I want us to consider today is not whether we want to be remembered or not. Because while not everyone wants a book written about them or a building named after them, most would say, I hope I did something worthy of being remembered. So I'm going to assume today that you want to be remembered in some way. But what I feel is the more important question to consider today is by whom? Do you want to be remembered? We find a man in scripture that wanted to be remembered. His name was Absalom. He was the son of King David. He had become resentful. You can read the story in 2 Samuel, but he had become resentful of his father. And he sought to overthrow King David's domain. But interestingly, the scripture records this little verse about Absalom. And the scripture records in 2 Samuel 18, 18, Now Absalom, in his lifetime, had taken and set up for himself the pillar that is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. So he called the pillar after his own name, and it is called Absalom's monument to this day. Absalom was not unlike many of us in that he wanted to be remembered. However, the tragedy of Absalom's life is that he had focused his desire to be remembered on people who may Or may not have even known him. If somehow someone in the next generation could remember him. Then he would feel he had accomplished something important. Then he would have been finally satisfied. Had someone from the next generation remembered his name. There's another man mentioned in the Bible. Who seeks a different kind of. Of remembrance, It was a criminal who hung on the cross next to Jesus who would say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to be remembered for much here on earth. I'm not sure the next generation is actually going to even know my name, and in fact, we don't even know his name. But I, I, I think I would not just want to be remembered here on earth, but I would rather be remembered throughout eternity. And the legacy of his life had already been written in human terms. And he said to the other criminal, We are getting what our deeds deserved. This storyline that's being written about us, we're getting what we deserve. We're really nothing more than losers in life. He wasn't looking for a fancy tomb or a school named after him. He was saying, I don't really have anyone here who plans to remember me, Jesus. No family has really shown up to mark my tomb. No friends are here to etch Something about me have all walked away. But Jesus, would you remember me? Think about that pure revelation that this man must have had. He had complete confidence that Jesus was who he said he was. He had complete confidence, and this kind of blows my mind a little bit. This man had complete confidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If I think you you are dying, or if I think your life is ending, I'm not asking you to remember me. He was asking Jesus to remember him because he knew Jesus was not ending there. The other criminal proves this. The other criminal's petition was what? Save me. If you're really the Christ, save yourselves and us. Because I need to remain alive. But if you die, it ends. But this other criminal, this criminal said, save me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. This criminal had complete faith in who Jesus was. Watch this, even though they were both hanging on the cross. Think about that, bruised and battered, broken and rejected. This man's faith went beyond what he could see. When he could peer over and look at Jesus, he saw him hanging in the same predicament as he was. But he had remarkable faith. So he confidently asked, will you remember me? My point today is we can spend a lot of energy creating a legacy to be remembered by people who are living in this world and do nothing to be remembered by an eternal God. That's why in 1 Corinthians it says, if I have hope, In this life only, I have among all men most miserable. Some of the harshest and I believe saddest words ever recorded in Scripture say this. We find this criminal with no hope in being remembered in this life, believing in the eternal power of God. His Memorial Day was not about living to be remembered in this life, but he wanted to be remembered by the Creator of the universe. It was during spring break this year, that our family went to Gettysburg and we walked those hallowed grounds, that epic battle, the sobering realization that so many had lost their lives. We were deep into the sight, really deep, looking into everything. And I don't know if we've got the picture of Ava. Looking into everything, (laughs) inspecting every cannon. But we looked at this site and it was remarkable. You, those of you who are history buffs, you've probably studied this part of American history. But historians say that in November of 1863, President Abraham Lincoln was invited to deliver remarks, which later became known as the Gettysburg Address. It was at an official dedication ceremony for the National Cemetery of Gettysburg in Pennsylvania. And it really was to honor, to memorialize those who had lost their lives in one of the bloodiest and most decisive battles of the Civil War. Though he was not the featured speaker of the day, Lincoln's 273-word address would be remembered as one of the most important speeches in American history. When you study this part of history, and when I particularly study this part of history, I realize something significant. No one remembers the guy who actually was the speaker for that day. Partly because he spoke for over two hours. So it gives me great pause today. That if I would... Yeah, amen. That if I I want you to have a chance to remember anything I say, I better keep it to 273 words. But in this speech, and really he was just... The little blur, but at the end, he wasn't meant to really provide anything substantial other than really probably his presence at the gathering. But he invoked the principles of human equality contained in the Declaration of Independence and connected the sacrifices of the Civil War with the desire for a new birth of freedom, as well as the all-important preservation of the Union created in 1776, We know that from July 1st to July 3rd of 1863, that the invading forces of General Robert E. Lee's Confederate Army clashed with the Army of the Potomac under its newly appointed leader, George Meade, at Gettysburg, some 35 miles southwest of Harrisburg. Casualties were high on both sides out of roughly 170 Union and Confederate soldiers, There were, I believe, over 50,000 who lost their lives between the two armies or were wounded. After three days of battle, Lee retreats, and it was a crushing defeat for the Confederates, and it was a historic day. Thousands were killed, and because of the way the war was going in that many people dying in such a close proximity. They had to bury the dead quickly. And it meant that the graves were marked very poorly. And in the months that followed, the local attorney, attorney, David Wills, spearheaded efforts to create a national cemetery at Gettysburg. And so Wills and the Gettysburg Cemetery Commission set out a date. To dedicate this cemetery, and so a speaker was chosen. It would be only historians and history buffs who would know his name, Edward Everett. Everett, and he was the one who would be the main speaker. President, former president of Harvard College, former U.S. senator, and former Secretary of State, he was a leading speaker, orator of his day. So much so that even when he spoke for nearly two hours or so, he did so without notes. It was memorized. But when President Lincoln stood up to speak, they say that the picture that they got of him, which you can put that picture back up, the picture that they got of him, it's hard to tell if you look, the cameraman thought he had some time to set up the camera and get it ready. But in fact, the speech was so short that he got him only in movement. And so, President Lincoln makes this famous speech and I was reminded of it and it meant a lot to me being there just a few weeks ago. But I'll read it to you because I think it has great significance. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that the nation... Might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. Then this is really what fascinates me, and I wholeheartedly agree. In a larger sense, we cannot dedicate. We cannot consecrate. We cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here, have consecrated it. Far above our poor power... To add or distract. The world will note, not long remember what we say here, or the world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. Then, this particular stanza It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus, so far, thus far so notably advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work. That we are not, and he makes that great observation. We are not dedicating this place. It's their sacrifice that has already dedicated. But in fact, by remembering, we ourselves dedicate ourselves to the unfinished work. And we remember, so we know what to do. And this is why Christ would call on us to do this in remembrance of me. doesn't matter how I read your history. It doesn't matter how your family or friends remember your history. How will God remember you? We remember those who have passed because they have laid down their burdens and they no longer work. But we remember Christ for what he continues to do in us and through us. And so we're called to remember, the Bible says, the work of Christ. And in so doing, we will be remembered. Before the death of Jesus, he would ask at the final meal before his crucifixion, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Isn't it interesting that the Savior of the world wanted to be remembered? But Jesus, in his desire to be remembered, would not ask us to remember him by his tomb. He was not looking to be remembered by a monument or a pillar like Absalom. He was not going to be remembered by a graveyard. But he said I want to be remembered through the brokenness of my body. And the bloodstains on the cross. And ultimately the resurrection of me. Jesus knew that if we would remember him, he could remember us. If we would remember him and we would remember the work on his cross, we could find salvation that that cross bought. We could find redemption for which his blood provided. It is, it is us. It is us, the living, who are to be dedicated by this unfinished work. It's us who are dedicated by the cross. We don't dedicate the cross. His blood dedicated the cross. His blood bought our redemption. And it so through us, the living, as we remember what he did on the cross, we too can have our lives dedicated to an unfinished work so Jesus says to us today no matter where you're at at on the Christian spectrum he said remember me And so today when we've gathered, we've remembered him through our praise and through our worship. We remembered him through the declaration of the word of God. We remember him through the clapping of our hands. We remember him through the shouting of our voices. And I hear him saying to us today, remember me. We remember him when we ask for the blessing of our food in a crowded restaurant or with our unbelieving friends. We remember him when we care for the foreigner, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. We remember him in the face of our children. We remember him in the beauty of nature. And I hear the Lord saying to us today, remember me. We remember him in the love we show each other. We remember him in the offerings we cheerfully give. We remember him in the ministries that we participate in. We remember him in our witnessing to co-workers and neighbors. And so on this Memorial Day, as we remember those who have died, I hear Christ saying, remember me. Because there is an unfinished work in all of us who are living Because when we take our last breath, the work that we've done will cease. We will be before Christ. We will find ourselves before Christ. We have that great weight, that great responsibility. Will he remember us? Will he know us? Parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles will remember us and know us. But I feel urged today to present the gospel to you to say that the only way Christ can remember us is if we remember him. We remember his death through repentance. We remember his burial through the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember his resurrection through the power of the Holy Spirit. We remember Him. David would proclaim in the songs as I come to a close. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore nations will praise you forever and ever. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Generations, therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Will generations praise God because of the life that you and I lived? Will we cause His name, His name, to be remembered in all the earth? There's an old song we used to sing in church and it was intended to bring us back to a place of remembrance in Christ. I love the song. It says, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you've set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. You've done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. You've done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. You've done so much for me. Would you stand with me this morning? Jesus, you've done so much for us. You've done so much for us that we cannot even begin to express it all. But Lord, I pray, I pray in this moment that Lord, we would not get sidetracked with life to the point that all we seek is to be remembered in this life. But Lord, I pray that we would seek to bring your name glory for generations to come. And Lord, by doing this, by remembering you in this life, you remember us in that life. Today, as we close this service and a little bit more of a somber message, but I, I hope you feel the weight of every day, every day, hour the Lord has given you to live this life we have the opportunity to bring his name glory we have the opportunity to see and to make as the scripture says his name famous and I want us to come today with an attitude that says I don't want to just be remembered by the people in this room but I want to be remembered by Him. I want to be known by Jesus Christ. I want to be known by His love, by His grace, and by His mercy. And if you're here today and you have not surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, today is a great day. Say, God, I surrender all of me to you. Because if all I have is this life only I'll be of all men most miserable the touch of the Lord is in this place and I'm going to invite you to come just step out of your pew I want everybody who feels comfortable I just want you to come we're going to have a moment of prayer I want you to step out of your pew we're going to remember the Lord today we're going to maybe It's going to be a prayer that you pray that says, God, I surrender to you. Maybe it's going to be a praise that comes from your heart and you realize you remember all that God has done for you. If you need deliverance today, if you need healing today, we're going to petition the Lord on your behalf. And I want us to lift our voices as we close this service today. We say, God, I surrender to you completely today. Let's lift our voices. Lord. God, we thank you, God, for everyone in this room, God, who's making a decision to serve you, to surrender to you. You love us so much. You care about us so much that you would die on a cross for us. You would shed your blood for our redemption, for our salvation, to give us hope not just in this life but in the life to come. Lord, I'm praying today that as we remember you, that there would be some prayers prayed today that say, remember me. Lord, I pray you would remember me. God, I pray that you would forgive my sins. You would bring mercy to my life. God, you would set me free. You would deliver me, Lord. God, I love you today. I honor you today. I worship you today. God, I call on your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and